what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Pat. New year. New year. New ads. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. We've had a wonderful year of sponsorship by our four wonderful people that carried us throughout the year. Truly, the sponsorship that comes from these guys, Jason Furman, Mine's a wiener dog quip. <laughs> Jason was the first person to reach out, like episode one. Hey, I want to sponsor the show. We're yep. like, fuck off, mate. Then he- <laughs> <laughs> several months later, we're like, uh, we could do some of that money now, yep. Jason. So we apologize. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank mm. you so much. Mm. But truly, where I get all my dog-related items mm-hmm. is Einswick dog quip. And amazing hoodies. Yeah. No, I do have a really good hoodie from Jason. Yeah, I've got a great hoodie from Jason yeah. as well. But I continue to get all my stuff. When I need dog training gear, Jason's my first point of call. Yep. I just bought a meal off him again. for Another meal? Yeah, for my sister. Yep. I'm going to do some little meal content. He is incredibly generous and very supportive to the industry. He is. And doing amazing work on his weight loss as well. So go, Jason. His problem, though, is doesn't ship to the US. Oh, what an absolute turd burglar. Step in. Macla Point. Macla Point. Oh, are you talking Mark with a C? Carkla Point? <laughs> Canine Dynamics. Yes. He's in Canada. Yeah. He's well, he does service the whole world, but just stay out of Jason territory, fucking Macla Point. Ooh, North America. Who do you reckon would win between them? Mark's a cop. He has a gun. Yep. Jason has guns. Yep. I don't know. It'd be an interesting battle. If we can organize it. Let's do an MMA match between Kakla Point and <laughs> Furman. <laughs> Not really. Love them both. So if you're in North America and you want some dog gear, yep. Canon Dynamics, that's a place to get it. Yes, absolutely. Great range, really good website, very intuitive. It makes life so easy to order product. Yep. You know who else has been supporting the show for a long, long time? That would have to be the lady herself from Ashland, Virginia. Melanie the the train town. Yes, Melanie Benware. Yep. She does these little home school things. Yeah. And I think the reason that our listeners should be getting in contact with her is because they know someone mm. in Ashland, Virginia, that needs their dog homeschooled, or they want to learn about that kind of program themselves. And they, as a trainer, could book a session to get some time with Melanie Benware. And she's been busier than ever, which is great. Yeah. Hopefully, she's got some transactions from the canine paradigm. Yes, hopefully. Mm. You know where you could get. A killer Dutch Shepherd or German Shepherd? That would have to be the wonderful people, Patrick and Alicia Lockett from House Amberg. One and the same. Yep. That's them. If I were in Europe, and Europe's the place to get the dogs. Yep. If I were in Germany, that's where I'd go. But Mm. the good news is you don't have to be in Germany. They can ship all over the world. All over the world. Mm. Want yourself a sweet-ass Dutchie? Yep. Talk to them. Or a German Shepherd. I don't know why you'd want a German Shepherd, but if you do. Ouch. Ouch. Ow. The best ones around will come from them. That's a sponsor killer in itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, those guys have supported the show for a long time. Jason from the start, Mark, Mel, and Patrick and Alicia at House Amberg, yep. Shepherds. We really appreciate you guys supporting the show. And good quality people as well, good yep. quality products. Moving forward on that, we only take those sponsorships from those guys because we know them, we trust them, we believe in them. Yep. 
going forward into 2022, we know that some of you fucking fast forward these ads. Oof. Not everybody listens to the ads. Absolute disgusting. So we're thinking, we're not, nothing's set in stone, but we're thinking about changing the structure of the ads at the front to yep. give our sponsors better value and maybe just reading one each time and mm. then bringing more people into the rotation if that's something people are interested in doing. Yes. So stand by for information on that. So if you do want to be a 2022 sponsor and you're happy to continue with us, let us know. We'll be canvassing that shortly. But yep. for those of you who have been supporting us, just like our wonderful listeners, we we'll just want to thank you very, very much. Really appreciate everything you've contributed. All right. We love you. We do. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Hopefully COVID-free. Well, I've had a couple of clear tests. Mm. I still feel like shit. I'm still coughing. I um, still wake up every day with a cranking headache and I need to have a daytime nap, but I test clear. So hopefully I'm not spreading it around. It's amazing how it knocked you around. So yeah. Much. It's a bit of a pain in the dick. I was kind of- the dick. Yeah. I yeah. was hoping I would be one of those people that like had a half day of not feeling great. Yep. And no, I'm not, unfortunately. It's amazing how DNA affects people differently, isn't it? Like, Yeah. Well, what's super interesting, just to sort of give everyone my COVID update, is Axel got it first. He got it from daycare and he had never been sick. So mm. he got hit hard, but probably no harder than you'd expect a baby to with get his like first a cold, cold anyway. Yeah. So he had a real bad temperature for like four days, couldn't really sleep, you know, Panadol and Eurofin every four hours. A couple of times had to get him in the shower to cool him down. Like, you know, pretty concerning, but I remember having the same nights with Rip when he got a cold the first time, right? Yep. So probably not worse Most than Most parents have expect. gone through it, yeah. Yeah. Rip felt slightly unwell for a couple of hours. <laughs> he threw up too, didn't he? Yeah, he did the classic kid move of yeah. walking down the hallway and like walking into my room and going, Daddy, I don't feel so blah. <laughs> um, and then that was it. Mm. He was like, oh, now I'm fine. Yep. Right? He was a little bit flat for a few hours that morning and then totally fine. And then poor kid was locked up for two weeks with like feeling great, but mm. stuck with us. And we live next door to his school, so yep. he can hear the school. He can hear all his friends, not allowed to interact with them. Yeah. It's like me when I decide to go on a diet and I can smell the fucking <laughs> food that the, all the girls bring in and start cooking on the you. Yeah. 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 And then me and Jane got pretty sick, but like, again, not worse than colds that I've had, mm. but it's just the issue was we're looking after Axel. We, we couldn't rest. You know, yep. everybody talks about like, oh, you just got to rest and you know, chill out. And, but that was not in the stars for us. Mm. So yeah, like I say, we haven't been super sick, but sick enough that had it not been COVID, will I go, would I have gone to work? Probably. You know mm. what I mean? Like mm. you functional and I still had to look after kids and all that kind of stuff. But it's just dragging out, man. And I'm mm. like, just feel like shit, just feel really gassed. So like, you know, it's Thursday night, normally we'd be training and, and I'll train, but I'm not in the suit. There's no, there's not a fucking way in hell I could wear a bite suit at the moment. Yeah. It's the first time I've seen you in forever where like you look like you haven't slept for a week. Yeah. Your eyes are quite glazed over. Yeah. And you can tell that it's taken a toll on you because usually you're a lot more fresh and upbeat, but yeah, you can see that you've endured something. Yeah. And mate, two weeks in my house, I've got a small house. Yeah. <laughs> got a small house. Remy was losing his mind. Actually, to be honest for him, it 
actually was probably for the best because he had that broken leg and couldn't do anything anyway. Mm. Yeah, that's true. If I was coming and going from the house, that would have driven him insane. Like he's like, hey, why aren't I going? Like you're clearly going to do work. I go with you. Why aren't I going? So that would have driven him insane. So at least the fact that I was stuck at home meant that I was stuck at home with him and he was stuck at home anyway. Mm. So for him, he doesn't know it, but it probably was a much better two weeks than he was going to get anyway. Well, I'm glad you're all feeling better and it's passed and done its course, whatever it's done, and you're all back on the mend. Yeah, hopefully. Two quick stories before we launch into whatever we're talking about today. Yes. So we had the NDTF start back, which was great. I didn't know how to feel about it at the start because it's been such a long time since I've been teaching anyone. And let me tell you, on the first day, I was fucking exhausted. Mm -hmm. Literally, I walked in, laid on the couch and just went straight to sleep. It was just knocked the absolute sales out of me. But then sort of muscle memory kicked in and I got better and better as I went along. So mm-hmm. always good that Kana is able to help and Andrew Clark jumps in and does his bit and everything like that. But yeah, it was. Andrew teaches the like. Uh, he does the aggression side. Yeah. He just talks about his time as an animal management officer and working with the councils and so forth. And he gives case studies so mm-hmm. people know what they're dealing with. And nice. We sort of flutter in and out of it on the course anyway, because it's such an interesting topic. And really, it's one of those things that people really want to deep dive into. Yeah. However, as I've said many, many times on the show and just in public and people and students who do the course, the NDTF is a tapas dish. Yeah. It's not supposed to- You're not leaving an expert. It's not, you're not leaving a a Jedi master. That's not what it's about. It's simply, you know, like in the, in the realms of Star Wars and people laugh at me with my Star Wars references, but you start as a Padawan and you just end up as a better Padawan, you know? (laughs) So it's not supposed to make you like into this grandmaster of training. That's not the journey. It's supposed to open doors for you and provide insight and give you direction and start the journey for you. It gives you a framework. It gives you framework. Exactly. Perfectly said. It gives you language. It gives you support. It opens up a network to you. But it does it well for some people, you know, because I cop flack in the past where people said to me, oh, I met this NDTF trainer and they're not all that. And I said, mate, that happens in any school you can go to. Yeah. You know, you could talk about a Harvard doctor yeah. and some of them will be absolutely brilliant and some of them will be terrible. Yeah. That's based on the person. So that's a stupid comment from a stupid person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time. You know, they had to wear masks indoors. They had to do all the covid safe sort of stuff and they really they did it well it's been such a long time between stints for them as well not only was it difficult for me but very much for them too because we had to pretty much reteach them a lot of things because it it had been a very disadvantageous gap for that group and they did really well they came together they supported each other they really formed a greater little alliance with each other so i was super proud of them they were funny too like it was a funny group where we had some good laughs so we were talking about remote trainers, electric collars, and it got onto the subject of people saying, you know, I can't believe it's banned in New South Wales, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, yeah, that happened quite some time ago. And I said, it's primarily because people weren't aligned and weren't helping each other, which I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more in topic. Mm. But, you know, I said, what's funny is, is that you can still get the containment fences, which is an electric collar Mm. with a containment wire. Mm. So as you approach the wire, the collar activates and it's a series of negative reinforcement teaches the dog, the closer you get to it, the harder the stem will be. So Mm. stay away from the wire or stay away from the the queue of the orange flag or whatever it is around the, around the property. People said, well, how can that be? And I said, well, I'd. I don't know. I don't write laws and I'm not a mindless politician. So unfortunately it is what it is. Mm. It's just one of those things. We then got onto electric fences in horse paddocks and Mm. they said, so you're allowed to use electric fences? I said, yes, you are. For stock, it's fine to use. 
And they said, really? They said, yeah, yeah, you can still use electric fences. It goes to show how well electric fences work. And I said, because all stock, they usually touch the fence once or twice. And I said, and if you ask everyone around the world, which I literally have, I've in every country I've said to people, have you got horses or cattle? They say, yep. How many times do they touch the fence? They usually say twice. That's it. One in one corner, one in another, and then they stay well away from yep, it. They, they learn generalize. Their, yeah, they generalize. They learn their lesson. They're not, they're not interested in touching the fence. We've talked about this before. Then it got onto pissing on fences and people have said, you wouldn't want to piss on the fence, would you? And I said, well, I've got a story about that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, my cousin Dawn, who I've talked about, who passed yeah, yeah. away recently, she was so good to me. She used to take me to Tasmania because her family were there, had big dairy farms and she was born in Tassie, grew up there. Most of my family have origins of Tasmania. So in school holidays, I used to go over there periodically with Dawn and hang out with my cousins and go on the farms and, you know, learn to milk cows and all the fun stuff that you'd run around on farms doing. It was really cool. And my uncle Lyle, he had this farm in Smithton, which is a suburb of Tasmania. He had this area which was uh, like produce. It was strawberries and zucchinis and all that sort of stuff. So it was like organic fruits and veg that was growing in this section. And it was like he had an electric fence around it because he had shitloads of cattle because it was a dairy farm. So... I didn't realise the fence was there and it was on. I I didn't really have a a relationship with an electric fence. So I'd sort of strolled out there one morning to go and grab some strawberries to go and nick them. As I was was out there, I thought, I need a piss. I love that you, during a theft, you... (laughs) Yes, I got punished. The universe attacked me. So anyway, I thought, yeah, I need a piss. So I've gone about doing that, but I didn't realise there was an electric fence there. So I'm just doing what young boys do and aiming all over the place at different things. Mm -hmm. And I aimed at the electric fence. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. (laughs) It's... (laughs) If you're a man and you've ever been kicked in the nuts before, this is like being kicked on the nuts inside and outside. <laughs> so I'm telling the students this. They're <laughs> My COVID's kicking in. They're, they're roaring with laughter. <sighs> they're roaring with laughter. I said I literally did half a backflip and landed on my back and I'm sort of sitting there just dazed and literally pissing all over myself because I, did, <laughs> I didn't realise what was going on. So, yeah, I'm sort of sitting there and, the, like, the students are laughing. And there's this one girl in the class, Danielle Cavallari, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. She's a Brazilian girl. Mm-hmm. And um, she's got this really nice Portuguese accent. Danielle's just, like, stopped dead while everyone's laughing. She goes, wait, what? With your dick out? <laughs> <laughs> so that became the mantra for that right. class. So yeah. every time someone said something silly or funny, somebody would call out, with your dick out? <laughs> So, Danielle, that was hilarious. I really got a good laugh out of that. There you go. Second thing that happened recently. Yeah. This dude messages me, right? And he goes, uh, Mr. Glenn, I'm in Europe. I've got these dog training products and stuff like that. I love you and Mr. Pat to get some. Okay. I, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And I said, what is it? And he goes, oh, like I'm creating like uh, bite toys and wedges and all that sort of stuff. I said, oh, cool. Showing me pictures backwards and forwards. And I said, that looks good, man. Um, and he goes, what would you like? One of each. Yeah, pretty much. I pretty much said, whatever you want to send me, I'll have it and uh, Pat and I will have a look at it. If it's good stuff, we'll review it and we'll review it anyway and let you know what it's like. Mm -hmm. He goes, cool. Day later, he goes, oh, all that stuff's ready to go. Sends me an invoice. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) And I said, dude, seriously, if you want me to take stuff, and I said, I'm not a greedy person or an unreasonable person, but that wasn't discussed at the start of this. And I said, periodically when people send us stuff to have a look at, and I said, sometimes people ask us to 
review gear and stuff like that. And, you know, like, or people send us a little gift or something like that. I said, no one fucking sends us an invoice. And he goes, oh, but I'm just a small business person. I said, what do you think we are? Fucking yeah. Fortune 500 yeah. company or something like that. But I'm that. not looking for the gear. Like, it, it would be one thing if you if you approached him and said, I need that's, equipment. That's, that, of course, you pay for it. You pay for what you ask for. That's but if- exactly right. So, I mean, I felt like a jerk at the end of it because he's sort of giving me the bleeding heart story. And I said, but, dude, I didn't ask Has for this. Has he not heard of Einzerwiener dog quit? But that's, <laughs> but that's what I said. I said, I, I don't need this stuff. I said, I, it was yeah. just... You know, like it was a bit of backwards and forwards. And I said, anyway, look, miscommunication, maybe it's a European and Australian thing, I don't know, but thank you, but no thanks. You sell that and make a profit of it and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. I was bewildered by that one. Yeah, probably just a language thing. Yeah, could have been. Ah, oh, dear. What an exciting time you've had. Yep. Hey, during the two weeks I was locked in my house, mm. I watched Encanto every day. What's that? It's a new Disney movie. It's actually a wonderful movie. Encanto. Uh, yeah. It's about these magical Colombian family. Okay. It's fantastic. It's actually the best Disney movie I've ever seen. Really? And, and I've got the song stuck in my, I've got all the songs stuck in my head. And I know all the facts about it because then me and Rip watched all the like hidden Easter egg things. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. But we also watched a lot of Bluey. Yes. Have you ever seen Bluey? I've seen a couple of episodes of it. Yeah. So for people who don't know, if you don't have kids, I suppose you probably- don't see it, but Bluey is this Australian TV show. It got bought by Disney, so like it's it's worldwide now. Yeah, and it's excellent. It's a really good show. And it references a lot of Australiana. Yeah, it's very Australian. Mm. And the idea is they're a family, but for some reason they're dogs. It's a blue right? healer, right? Blue yeah, they're blue, blue cattle healer. dogs, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's all different dog families, and they lead these very human lives, right? But they're dogs for some reason. Like that's really not covered how their dogs have these very human lives. But mm. anyway, they are. The dad is this guy called Bandit. It's an enjoyable show. It's very good. And a lot of the times in cartoons, like in Peppa Pig and other stuff like that, the dad is a moron, Mm -hmm. right? And in Bluey, the dad is like really involved in the family. And even though Bluey is the daughter and she's like the main character, Bandit is is very much the second character probably, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's really good. Spoiler, if you have kids in the car, pause. So (laughs) there's this episode about Easter. And it's Easter and the Easter bunny has left this like, you know, amazing treasure hunt for the Easter eggs. And the Easter bunny's done it and Bluey and Bingo, the two younger girl dogs, keep bringing up about how the Easter bunny's done it because the Easter bunny forgot them last year. Mm -hmm. And Bandit keeps carrying on about how the Easter bunny was really busy and just lost track of what day it was and that kind of thing can happen. Mm-hmm. But the Easter bunny will make it up to them this year and he has set up this elaborate, you know, treasure hunt thing for these Easter eggs. And what I thought was really cool when I'm watching this episode is that it's very clear that he's the Easter bunny to yeah. adults watching the show, right? Yep. And that he feels terrible about having forgotten to get Easter eggs the year before and that the thing is, like, he's a great dad in a lot of ways, but he's just overworked and he has too much going on and he just forgot, right? Yep. Simple as that. But I'm watching it with my kid who does not get that at all. He's like, Bandit's just explaining what happened with the Easter Bunny, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's not seeing that. And I thought, how clever that the way that they can explain this is that I totally understand that he is the Easter Bunny. I get it. And not just because I know the Easter Bunny is not real, mm. but there's signs of guilt on him and like they really make out. It's very clear to an adult, but kids don't get it. And I was like, you know, how clever. But then I realized it's really like the view that you look at things from. Absolutely. Will, the uh, Simpsons have been doing that for years. Yeah. 
But so like the view that you look at things from will frame the way that you interpret it and the way that you accept it. Mm -hmm. All right. And so it made me think about sometimes like we hear people talk about the way that they train dogs and a person who knows what they're talking about can understand it as being one thing, but a person who doesn't can understand it as being another. Yep. One of the things I've had to deal recently with a, a reactive shepherd, right? And it's just a young dog, show line shepherd. And it's exactly what you see all the time with young show line shepherds. That's kind of nervy. Right. And what happened, I could guarantee was that, and this seems to happen kind of all the time is that at about 10 weeks old, this dog gets introduced to someone, right? You know, they've got the dog, the dog sees a new person. They take it, you know, to a family member, whatever. The dog does that classic shepherd rumble, little pop bark. Mm-hmm. And we go, oh, he's scared. And the person kind of like, oh my God, he's an aggressive dog now. They reel a little bit. And the owner of the dog, worried because they haven't seen this, turns around and leaves with the dog. Yep. And we know that's how a lot of young dogs, not just shepherds, but, you know, lots, end up as being quite reactive dogs is because the dog saw that new situation and goes, I don't know what to make of this. I'm experiment with behavior. I feel a bit uncomfortable about this. I'm going to experiment with behavior. Mm. This feels like something I should do. Like that. That put an end to this totally uncomfortable situation. It pushed away the person who was I was going to meet, and I didn't know whether I wanted to meet or not. I was unsure about that. And my handler turned around the leash and got us out of there. Right. So how would a dog trainer deal with that? Right. Most dog trainers I know, and you know, most people would do the similar thing. Tell me if you would disagree. If I have that dog and I usually control who that dog's going to interact with for the first few weeks that I have a puppy, it's not haphazard. The dog's not meeting random people. It's meeting people who I know will do what I want, or I'm going to instruct them on what to happen. So I walk up with my young German shepherd and I'm going to, when he barks, or does anything crazy, I'm going to just kind of short line him a bit. I'm not going to let him go any further. I'm not going to get him out of there. I'm not going to give him any play on the leash. So it's not like I'm hanging him or anything. His feet are all on the floor. There's no tension on the leash, but he can't really go anywhere. And I'm going to let him sort of sit with there. The person is hopefully not going to do anything. They're just going to stand there and be totally neutral. And I'm going to show the dog, you've got big feelings about this situation, but that behavior didn't change anything for you for the positive. Nothing bad happened to you, Mm -hmm. but nothing good. It didn't change the situation. And what's the dog going to do? Little puppy then is going to go try new behavior. And very likely he's going to go for appeasement because he's a little bit uncomfortable in that situation. Tried his like first little soiree with aggression. Didn't do anything. Now he's going to go for appeasement. And then I let him go to that person. And he goes, oh, actually this is awesome. Because the person then pats a dog, provides a positive experience to the dog. Right. Mm. Now, most dog trainers, I don't care what camp you're in, who, if you're a real dog trainer, if you're a person that's going to be successful with dogs, for the most part, would agree with some variant like that. Yeah. Right? Yep. I don't care whether you're a person that, when that dog is older, is going to put an e-collar, a prong collar on it and teach it to bite people, or whether you're a person that's going to you know, be off-leash, force-free, use nothing but a clicker. That's how most dog trainers who know how they're going to handle mm. a dog would deal with that situation. Short line, so you can't make any bad decisions. You can't escape. You can't go forward. You can't do anything that would you know, be detrimental. You let him recover a little bit. He tries a new behavior. We reinforce that behavior, right? And I don't know anyone that would argue with that. If you argue with that, then let me know. I could be wrong. But people who I've interacted with, that's what I've seen lots of dog trainers do, and it's what I've done lots of times myself. Yeah, it's just behavioral shaping. Yeah. Mm. 
But how you would describe how you do that would be different, mm. right? So I would describe it exactly like that. But if I would not describing physically what I would do, what I would say is I don't let him be successful without aggression, right? I wait him out and then I take him forward to what the issue was. Other people would say, well, the first thing I would absolutely not do is not punish that dog for being aggressive because you can't punish Emotion. emotions. Mm. I agree with that 100%. Yep. But it's not the thing that comes out of my mouth the first, right? And then they say things like, you know, I would have to develop a plan to deal with that situation and I wouldn't want to put that dog into a situation it was uncomfortable with. I 100% agree, right? But I'm going to develop that plan in two seconds. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going to wait for that dog to present a behavior that it's comfortable doing itself. I'm going to wait for it to approach itself and find positive reinforcement there, right? And then the last thing, you know, someone else might say would be like, I absolutely am going to deal with the emotional state of that dog, right? And prioritize that over the, the other people that are around. And mm. I 100% agree with that. I'm going to let that dog, you know, even though his emotional state might be appeasement, right? It, which is not that healthy, but it's at least going to give him the opportunity to have the encounter and find reinforcement in that encounter, mm. right? So the way that it would be explained, depending on the audience of who's listening to it, I think would result in really different outcomes. If we didn't physically explain step by step, this is what I would do with the leash, right? This is how I would manage that interaction. If you just kind of gave an overarching explanation of it, you end up with really different outcomes. Mm. And I think that someone who is likely to be more compulsive is going to skull drag their puppy over to people and create a big problem, right? And someone who is hears that same explanation but really buys into sort of force-free ideology is going to skedaddle out of there, right? And they're going to reinforce that situation of the little aggressive bark and create a more problematic in the future that they will have to then deal with in another way in the future, mm. right? And it was interesting to me just to understand, like it was – I thought this through and I was like, this is one of the reasons why you see successful dog trainers, no matter their discipline, are successful, right? Like if you've heard of their name, they're good at what they do. That's mm. why you've heard of them, right? Like whether they're good by comparison to someone else is you know, a topic for discussion, but they're good. They know what they're doing, yep. right? They're, no matter what they do, mm. if they're successful, they're, they're doing things right. And I feel like if you watch them do stuff, the balance train of it one and the force free one the way that they're going to do stuff, especially with young dogs, is going to be hairs. Oh, it's going to be so close. You would be barely be mm. like you put a you put the you know make it a, a silhouette version that you're yeah. watching, and you can't tell who's who. You're going to have a hard time telling who's mm. the balance trainer and who's the force free trainer. But their explanations is going to create two really different versions of what might happen to a lay person who tries to recreate what they're doing just from an explanation. Yep, interesting to think about, huh? It is an interesting thing to think about, depending on your culture, depending on your background, depending on your ethnicity. There's a lot of things on how you view and see things in the world. You know, there was a discussion a, a while ago in regards to cultures that eat dogs, for example. Mm. And I'm not saying this to rise temperatures or make people angry or feel emotions or anything like that. But we did end up having this conversation in an NDTF group because somebody was very adamant that that was the worst possible thing that could happen. And I said, yeah, but what about cultures who see cows as gods? Mm, cows are sacred. Yeah. Right. Cows are sacred. You know, and I said to them, we're slaughtering and eating their God. 
that sort of painted perspective. And perspective is such a powerful thing when you really analyze it because I think this is where a lot of problems in the world came from. And it certainly was for me when I was a young kid growing up because you see things from your backyard view. It's not until you sort of establish a network with other people and you develop a broader sense of what's really out there in the world. You know, when you go over to other countries as you have, you've fought you know, in other countries, you've lived with those people, you've ate with them, like you've shared in their deep history of who they are and what they came from. You change your, your mind about things like this. And this is what I've said before. Like people have said to us before, you know, like, oh, you guys will disagree with anything or you're, you're a shill, you'll change direction on this, that and the other. But I think it's important that you can change direction mm. when you see evidence that supports the reason that you need to change. And the same thing happens in dog training a lot is that I can have a very strong stance, you can have a very strong stance, but there's been times where it's been pointed out that that stance is not so effective anymore. Mm. And what you knew as a culture, what you knew as a group, like things that we did in the 1990s, it wasn't terrible. It needed evolution. And that's part of growing in your whatever profession that you're in. It's about the growth of who you are and what you're going to become and what you're going to teach people because you're learning better material. Better Mm. material is out there. The more people that are getting involved in this, the more science that's actually, and true science, real science, the real science where people are actually doing their PhDs and they're doing masters or whatever it is on animal behavior, but not only just animal behavior, but also the behavior of people who train the animals as well. Like as that, uh, as that starts to evolve, we actually have better access to more material because instead of just dealing with theories or feelings, we're actually got some evidence to support what we're doing Mm. or people are coming away and saying what we actually thought was evidence. Like take fMRIs, for example, some of the revealings that they had with animal minds, what they're, what they're seeing through the imagery of how animals are actually feeling about things. Because when I was a younger guy, it wasn't believed that animals had the same feelings anywhere near like we had. They were just beasts. Mm. And I mean, it's not that bad. I'm not talking about like it was the 1800s or anything like that. And there was really no care or thought about it. But my God, what a change I've seen in even in 30 years of being heavily involved in it. Like the way people are training now, the way people are achieving results with their dogs, like it is really getting exceptional. You know, mm. like even people that, for example, I was watching a, some clips on YouTube the other day and then Instagram files of people uploading things with their dogs. And these are just ordinary everyday people. You wouldn't see shit like that 30 years ago mm. unless they were doing, you know, shots and three or something like that. You wouldn't see it. Yeah. And I even remember Joe Rogan, he posted this thing of a guy doing a breakdance move where he was fell on the ground and he was like flipping around on his hands with his legs up in the air, like literally the whole time. And Rogan said, he goes, you know, same thing that I just mentioned. He said, you wouldn't see shit like that 30 years ago. Yeah. And he said, but all of a sudden people are getting better. Like they're just accelerating in sports, in wisdom, in theory, in culture. Like it's changing. The world has changed. All of a sudden something happened. Like we leapt forward. There was an evolution in our time, like in our yeah. generation, that we're seeing a change and we're seeing like this real evolution or revolution of, of people really making a big difference in what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, knowledge is a relay race, right? Like you pass yeah. the baton and you yeah. have, so you don't have to start at zero. That's and right. Like you see that in, in all, across all walks of life. You know, one of the interesting ones is totally outside of anything I know about, but it's like motocross where dude, dude's doing backflips. Yep. You, when I can't remember the guy's name, did that first backflip. Seth. 
Uh, it was the guy from the Krusty Demons. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, holy shit, yeah. he did a backflip on a motorbike. Yep. And now that's an entry-level trick. Now they can do two backflips. Three. Yeah. And, and, like, it's an entry-level thing. If you can't do a backflip, you're not getting a spot at a show, right? Yep. Like, it's a- Seth Onslow, I think he was the first. Yeah. Somebody will probably correct me and say, no, it wasn't. It was one of the other guys, but I think- <laughs> Seth was just fearless yeah. and crazy. But yeah. now they all do it. I see kids yeah. doing it, right? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so back to what I was saying. I think one of the reasons that we have really strong divide in parts of the industry and we end up with like, you know, when I talk to some trainers and we say, oh, force-free people would say this, you get people stopping and they go, hang on, mate. No one uses that term. No one says force-free. We know that that's ridiculous. Like that's a, that's a ridiculous proposition. Mm. And I go, oh, oh. Oh, please let me show you some Facebook posts, <laughs> right? Yep. Because there are people who really think that things can be done force-free mm. and they quote people who vehemently say that is not the case, mm. but they are, you know, like more positive trainers, right? Plus our trainers or whatever. And they say big name X says this and I'm like, yeah, I know that's what she said, but she didn't mean what you've interpreted from it, mm. Right. And unfortunately, I think that we found ourselves in a position, especially this came to a head for me because I was dealing with this young shepherd and the owner of the dog had been heavily influenced by social media of other people and just didn't want to do any of the things I was saying. And I was like, you realize all the things you're doing are causing these issues, right? And she quoted, I don't want to use any names here because I don't want to sort of bring anyone up, but she quoted and said like this very popular force-free trainer who deals with a reactive dog said this. And I was like, I know her. We can message her now if you want, right? And we can get this clarified because that is not what she fucking said, Mm. right? Like you have totally misinterpreted what she's saying there. And you are so far from the mark of reality of what dog training is. And I'm like, I know her. I watch her videos and watch it with a, a dog trainer's eye. Like I can show you, I will find a video where she's doing what I'm encouraging you to do now. Because it's not like, I'm not asking you to put an e-collar on the dog and go to a high level, right? What I'm asking you to do is hold the fucking leash short, Mm. (laughs) right? That's all I'm asking you to do is not let the dog bounce around at the end of the leash. I'm just saying like, lock him up in position. And the problem was I said that that's negative punishment. Like I said, we need to punish this dog. It's the word punishment, yeah. Yeah. As soon as you say that, it, it, it invokes an array of feelings in people. Yeah. And I was like, All I'm saying is that we need to not allow this dog to make any more progression forward. We can't allow this dog to be reactive, aggressive forward like that. And the situation that we're dealing in is a confined space. We can't create any more distance. You just got to hold the dog short. That's all Mm. I need you to do is just not let the dog bounce around on the end of the line. But I mistakenly use the term negative punishment and punishment is not allowed. Mm. And and I was like, ah, but the real force-free trainers, the real ones that are, you know, the plus R trainers, they're using that. They're holding the dog short on the line. Whether not they like, like it or not. Yeah, but they don't deny it. They mm. just don't use that language. Yep. Right? They don't deny that, like, hey, you're not going to let this dog go bite people. We're not going to let it bounce around on the end of the line freaking out. Mm. You've got to hold the leash short, right? All I'm saying is just, like, hold it at the one-foot mark instead of at the six-foot mark, right? <laughs> Does it frustrate you that it's kind of like one team learned how to spin the marketing? Yeah, Because they're avoiding the use of the word, which is, I mean, when we talk about science, that's real science. Yeah. And so in a way, yes, in a way. And I think that there are people that spinning the marketing. Yeah. But I also think words are important and some people just use words that align with the way they feel better and other people take a different stance against those words. Mm. So like, but it's not real. I mean, when we're, when we're talking about it, it's not real to say 
that negative punishment is not negative punishment. I agree, but they don't say that either, right? They just don't don't they just say, don't say it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's reasons why you do that. And it was my fault for because this person was into training. They're researching other trainers and stuff. I was like, oh, well, let's use the big boy words, right? Like, yep. let's say things correctly. Instead of just going, well, hold the dog on a short line, I was like, hey, what we're going to do is just going to isolate the dog in position just there so mm. he doesn't find any success in that behavior, right? We're going to just make sure that he, he understands that. It's probably like, and I even said, I'm pretty sure if we, if we want to get technical about this, we could say this is negative punishment because we're not going to let him show any success. He's not going to get what he wanted from that behavior. Yeah. And it was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, negative punishment. We're mm. just going to take away his ability to be successful in that, right? So I think that's the issue. And, and, you know, we, we've had so many episodes talking about this kind of stuff, but it's fresh in my mind again mm. because it's just something, it's just this constant battle that we're kind of always facing. And, you know, what was fascinating to me was listening to Ivan and Michael Ellis talk about it, yep. right? Like truly, because I listen to podcasts in the car, right? Mm-hmm. I listen to them on one and a half times speed so I can get through more because I'm not in the car that much. Yep. But I stopped that one and went and watched the rest of it on YouTube because Ivan has videos of the study that they use to ban e-collars and they just left out of the equation that those dogs had halties on and were getting popped on the face by the halty, right? Wow. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, and so that deliberate miscommunication of information mm-hmm. has led people who are really well-meaning because th- this person who I was dealing with, the shepherd, she's great, really super nice person, really like her, mm-hmm. but just misinformed and like thought for sure she was doing the right thing for her dog, right? Yeah. Thought for sure, super nice person, like great, but just thought she was doing the right thing by her dog because she's done a lot of research and that's where the research has led her, but no hands on, no hands on the dogs, mm. right? So kind of the issue then is with that passing on of mistruths, half-truths or straight untruths, right? So what Ivan pointed out in that podcast is that they just didn't mention that, mm. right? It's, just, it's nowhere in the study that says that the dogs that were being trained positively to not chase sheep versus the ones that were being an e-collar used, and they say that they were trained with like the punishment trained dogs, which is, you know, just a ridiculous thing to say by itself. Yeah. But it's funny how they like using the word when it suits them. But the dogs had... Halties on it. It's like the most aversive tool you can use on a dog. And the other thing that you brought up to me, because I haven't seen it yet, was that they're not free-range sheep. They're caged. They're in a pen. Yeah. Yeah. And as they point out on the show, like I don't want to just regurgitate what they're saying. You should listen to it, right? It's two of the big boys in the industry. But I mean, everyone listening, if you haven't already, I'm sure sure all of our listeners have already listened to it, right? This is probably old news to everybody. But like as Michael points out is for the most part, you can get a prong collar and whack it on a dog and the dog doesn't know anything about that prong collar until you apply some pressure to it, mm-hmm. right? Same as an e-collar. You can put an e-collar on the dog, and the dog doesn't know anything about that until you hit one of the buttons. Put a halty on the dog, the dog fucking hates it immediately. The second you attach that to it, yeah. it's going to fight yeah, they, you getting it They do it on. backflips. They try and scratch it off their face. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, immediately. I've, seen, I've seen dogs violently gouge at their eyes and everything to try and rip it off their face. Yeah. Now, of course, the right way, if you want to be a halty it's person. A, it's a tool. Yeah. yeah the it's the right tool. way to do it yeah. is to implement, yes. like do it correctly, yeah. you know, blah, 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 all the things, implement it to the yep. dog. But you have to do that if mm. it's not going to be aversive the moment it's put on the dog. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I'm actually glad you said that because people would have heard me say that and said, oh, Glenn, you're being, an, you're no, being a jerk. No, there's nothing wrong with halties. No, no. But they're an aversive tool. Yeah. But like all the things that people are saying about other tools, like I've said this to people, I've said, I've got photos. I've got a collage of photos with dogs with scars. I mean, there was a, 
a Malamute, which was back in the 90s when Halties really started to make a big impact in the public, where it literally bit the end of its tongue off because, wow. yeah, because it, it had its tongue out. The guy pulled the Haltie oh, and it clamped yeah, down right. on its tongue. So injury can't be avoided with anything that's actually, you know, flat collars. And people can say, well, they can be accelerated with things like correction chains, prong collars, electric collars, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, in the wrong hands, that could be true. Yeah. But all things, anything that you're tethering a dog with can create a problem. Yeah. Let's, let's just be real. Intelligent people who do things right and are mentored well and have good intentions and good state of mind and goodwill in their heart. They don't do all these fucking crazy things that end up making it into the news somehow, whether it's social yeah. media or, or the six o'clock news. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been through this so many times. So if many your intention times. is to fuck up a dog, you'll, you do, it, you'll do you'll it find without a, a tool. Yeah. You, you can use a yellow crayon. Yeah. Like you can use anything you want. Mm. You could just not feed a dog. That's probably one of the worst things you could do. Or apply some principle of learned helplessness. That's yeah. probably the worst criminal thing that you could do. Totally. There's a million things you could yeah. do to a dog. If, if you're a person that's going to abuse a dog, you don't need any tools to do that. Yeah. Right? Like, absolutely do not. Yeah. But, yeah, I think what I wanted to sort of tease out and explore is that I think, like, when Bandit was talking about the Easter Bunny, it was clear as day to me that it was him and he felt this guilt about not having the Easter eggs ready for last year and so did this elaborate thing that year. Mm. But Rip did not pick that up at all because he wanted that Easter Bunny to be real. Yep. Right? Now, I know the Easter Bunny is not real, and so I understood exactly what was going on in that situation, but he never got the subtext. He never saw through, like, the guilt in Bandit and the complaining about it. Like, I mean, everybody should watch the episode. I think it's called Easter or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But – Rip never saw that because he wants the Easter bunny to be real. He believes in it and he wants it to be real. Whereas I know it's not real. And I just was like, oh, bandit, you forgot Easter last year. And so you did an elaborate thing this year. And I think it's not necessarily about the words you use because we both watch the same show. Mm. It's what you want to be reality, right? That you're, you're going to try, you're going to people, the average person is going to draw from the explanation of dog training, mm. what they want to hear. And it, it's problematic. It's a, it's a problem because there's people, and this is why like I advocate for and use as much as I can and try and encourage others to do is like, let's use the real words. Let's hold each other to a standard there and use the real words. Mm. Let's not shy away from those words and try and soften them down because the issue is when I use the real words, I'm going to put some people off, but they're going to be put off and hopefully go to someone else who also uses the real words. Right. And then realize like, Oh, okay. So like I'm a balanced trainer. I use the real words. I'm going to say that with this prong collar, I can use negative reinforcement. I can manipulate the dog in all kinds of ways. And if I want to, I can also use it for positive punishment. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm going to use that tool. And then when they, they go to someone else who says, Hey, hold the dog short on the leash mm. or drag the dog over this way or bring the dog over this way with the flat collar. We should say, hey, but that is negative reinforcement, just so you know, right? Negative reinforcement is not the problem. That quadrant is not the problem. Misusing a tool is a problem, but the quadrant itself and the tool itself are not the problem, mm. right? And I think the more that we hold each other to account to use the real words, the, the better we will educate people on how to actually train dogs. And, you know, as we've said a million times, there's room for everyone, right? Everybody has a place, right? Mm. Because there's people who, like I say, you know, for the most part, what we know of dog training is that there's a huge overlap, right? So as a balance trainer, 
there's things I can do that a person who won't use the tools can't do, mm. right? There are things. There, they will hit a ceiling of limitation before I will, right? Now, imagine we have the same skill set where it's equally good as each other, right? They will hit a ceiling before I do as a balance trainer. There is maybe 5% of dogs that they will not be able to help and I will be able to help because I use those tools. Mm. But at the other end, there's 5% of people that will never fucking call me no matter what the problem is with their dog because I'm a balanced trainer. And so I'm no better. I don't- five, you, Do you say 5%? Or whatever the percentage, right? But there, I'm no better and I'm no more effective. I have a different scope. Mm. I don't have a bigger scope because at the top end of dogs that you'll hit a ceiling and I don't hit that ceiling, right? Of course I hit a ceiling, but it's a different one to the, different level. the plus R trainer. Mm. I can help more dogs. Imagine we have the same skill set. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but imagine it's me- without the tools. But there are people at the other end who will never call me and maybe I can fix their dog and maybe I can't. And maybe the plus R person can, and maybe they can't, but they will never call me because I'm a balanced trainer. Right. Mm. So there's room for everyone. But what we need to do is for everybody to be like, Hey, like these are the rules. And what I want to acknowledge as well is while there's dogs that I can affect that the plus R trainer can't, there's dogs that I'll fuck up. Right, I'll make mistakes and I'll cause problems. Mm. That will happen. But similarly, they can as well, but with less likelihood. Right, like it's possible that if I'm using e collar, I hit the wrong button, give the dog a, an adversity experience he didn't need. It's possible that I can misread a situation and give a correction with the prong that the dog didn't need to get. Right, mm. it's possible that I'm walking along with the dog on the prong, the dog tries to flee something, you know, gets scared, hits the end of the line, gets a doubly bad experience. It's like he's scared of something hits the end of the line. Those things can happen. I, I totally acknowledge it, but I do the cost benefit analysis and go, Hey, overall, I think I'm still in the clear. I still think that it's worth it to me to continue to do that. So there's pros and cons on either side. Everybody's cool. I'm fine with everyone, but just don't lie about what you're doing, right? Just be honest about what you're doing so that when the, the followers of the people who say like, Oh no, you can't use any punishment. Those people should say, no, you totally can use punishment. You absolutely can and must, in fact, use punishment. But here's an effective way to do it that doesn't involve any tools, right? Like if, if that's how you want to go, you are punishing, but just in a different way. Yeah, I agree with you. It is very confronting for me when I watch any footage or imagery of people who are advocates of no tool use, very much the advocate of it online. However, what I see portrayed by their dog, to me, looks different. Yeah. And I feel that it's an act of being a charlatan. Yeah. When you're using a marketing tool to present something to somebody, but it doesn't look like that. Now, it may not be the case. It may not be the case. It may just be the dog. You know, sometimes, for whatever reason, dogs can, they can hold a stance or a posture that you would say it is something, but it may be something else. However, when you've been around for a long time, most educated people who have been around for a period of time and have been involved in training in some form or another would look at the dog and saying, that motherfucker used tools and they're literally online lying about it. Oh, yeah. That's confronting for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like reaching out to that person saying, why? Mm. Why are you doing this? Is money so important to you that you've lost your way and you can't have 
a shred of, of decency and ethics about you that you can't say, I don't like doing it, but unfortunately for this dog, sometimes I have to, but I would prefer not to. And for most dogs, I don't need to. And that's my preferred way of doing it. But this dog doesn't allow that. Assuming we're thinking of the same person, it's because they painted themselves into a corner. Yeah. They were so vehemently against tools and spoke so publicly against it. Then when they found themselves in a position where it was the only way to be successful with their dog, they did it because they wanted to be successful, but can't talk about it because they would have to then like, it would blow the lid off the whole empire. Assuming we're talking about the same person. There's multiple people who have done it. Yeah. Like multiples. But, but in all honesty, those people, while they are the scourge of the industry, they're not who I'm so worried about, right? Because they're pains in the ass mm. and they're causing big problems, but we can't affect them. They don't give a shit. Their ego is not going to be affected by anything we have to say. Not in the slightest. They don't give a shit about us. They don't, they're don't. they never going to hear this. Even if someone goes, hey, they were talking about you, that secret thing they know, right? Mm. They'll be like, nah, they're talking about someone else. No one knows, right? Like that's how they feel about things. But what is more concerning is people who don't lie, but they just get misunderstood. I don't have any fix and I'm not asking anyone to change anything. I would like that everybody use the big boy language. I would like that everybody use the real terms. That's really all I can say. Such as cognitive dissonance. <laughs> we are just talking about it. <laughs> but like, I think that's the big issue because I'm worried. I'm worried about the state of things, especially, you know, that podcast that I listened to with Ivan and Michael, that fucked me up a little bit. I was mm. like, oh dude, things are worse than, like I'd kind of insulated, I'd, I'd kind of walled myself in a little bit and I only talk to a good train, like, you know, I only interact with people that are good and I don't look at the, I don't pay much attention to the bullshit at mm. the margins. I speak to a lot of trainers. I speak to a lot of really spectacular plus our trainers that are playing the game on hard mode and do it fucking amazingly. Yeah. They're, and they're, I have so much respect there's for There's absolutely skill out there. And, and yeah, for sure. And none of them are calling for bans on anything and they have no issue with what I do. And in fact, they refer people to me. You know what I mean? So like the industry from my perspective was great. It's <laughs> like, everything's great. We're mm. coming along. And then I listened to that and I was like, oh shit, we're not okay. We're under attack. We have people who are trying to actively ban, who are lying willfully and mm. on purpose lying, trying to get tools banned that they know they cannot do their job without. Yep. It freaked me out a bit, man. It was always a concern for me. And I know that when I was involved in the ICP on the European committee and I was talking to the guys, you know, like we would meet once a month and, and talk in between that. And I still keep in contact with some of them. They're, they're lovely people. But their concern was is Europe's fallen. Like yeah, there is wise for sure. Yeah. And that was their concern. They said, how can the IACP help us and rescue us now? Because literally the lawmakers and the people who wanted it all banned have control of it. And they said, how can we scratch back from it? And they used New South Wales as an example and said, even in your state, you can't use remote trainers. Mm. And I said, but that's because we're so divided amongst ourselves. I said, there's so many and this is why, you know, like you pointed it out a couple of times, I've pointed out it's so important that we do have an organisation where we all come together. You and I have been beckoning all the sports groups to unite. Yeah. And I know through the ICP group and we, you know, like I was involved in trying to get that started along, but unfortunately I had to abandon that post. And I think John's holding the mantle in that, hopefully. Mm -hmm. 
with keeping their protection sports committee alive and so forth. But we do need each other more than ever. Like, honestly, there has to be a beacon in, yeah. the, in the water somewhere. It reminded me of something I read in this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People mm. by Stephen Covey. I know Casey and the Turtle Tits group are reading it. You know, Rachel and, and Casey and the group were all chatting about it the other day. And they said to me, have you read it? And I said, I have, but it's such a long time ago that I really need to reread it because it's a very insightful book. And there was a passage in there which Stephen Covey talks about where this ship is out to sea and they see this light flashing them in the distance. The first mate goes and gets the captain, wakes him up and says, we're being beckoned, there's another vessel beckoning us. And the captain says, the first mate will get on the radio and tell them to change their course. They get on the radio and say, you know, this is the, what's the ship's name? Jono. <laughs> this is the SS Jono. <laughs> <laughs> this is the SS Jono. Avert your course. And then the message comes back. No, avert your course. First mate goes down the captain. He says, they won't avert. They've told us to avert our course instead. Captain's getting outraged. He said, you go back and tell them we're a warship and then they need to avert their course. Old mate goes back, gets on the radio, says, this is the SS Jono. We're a, a warship. Avert your course. Message come back. We're a lighthouse. Yeah. It really goes to show that sometimes you need to think about the course of action you're taking about. Instead of being so arrogantly steadfast in your path, sometimes you need to change what you're doing and the way you're thinking about things. One of the things that we do try and do, and we even try and do on ourselves, is change our mind when it's ready to change your mind. This is why I think it's very important for us as a community to abandon our old ways of thinking and abandon those silly prejudices that some of us have had where for some reason it's like a dislike for some bloke or some chick that was on a committee that you didn't like or didn't want to be involved in. Guys, we need each other. Mm. Now more than ever, it's evident that more and more things are going to be taken, more and more things are going to be stopped. Some of those things are irreversible now. There is no way to stop it. What we do need to do is try and slow it down or halt it from here on in. Yeah, We need a collective of people coming together. We need a community. We need to be functioning where we can say to people, hang on, pump your brakes, mate. You know, like that footage that you're talking about that you saw on Ellison Ivan's podcast, that, for example, I haven't seen it. It's already making the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. Those things concern me, but there's not enough people to stop in our groups. Uh, and you know what I think? Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant, right? And so that's why like, I believe in transparency and just putting it all out there yep. so that you people have something to look at and they don't assume that something nefarious is going on. I was mm. like, come on, watch training. And when people have come after me online, that's usually how I, that's how I diffuse the whole thing. I'm like, you can come train with me if you like. Oh, I would never train with a monster like you. Just like, no, no, like come along. Because you might you might be surprised by what you see, right? Like you've developed a a picture in your mind. And if I like we can argue back and forth, I can say fuck you and you can say fuck me and we can say fuck each other. But I can then say, Hey, it's not what you think. Come and have a look. So right? what you're basically saying is make love, not war. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But also like I think, you know, uh, that's why we've been saying it for so long and doubling down recently that as an industry, we need to stick together mm. and there's strength in numbers and it's that truth in the way that things that we train and not saving face with anyone, telling the truth and mm. ha- saying uncomfortable truths. I think that's what everybody in this industry needs to do and be like taking some risk by telling the truth and be saying like, this is how I do things. I'm not hiding it from anybody. This is how I do it. 
and this is how effective I am, right? And let's see what you do and let's see how effective you are. And if you're better than me, I want to learn, right? Outside of dog training, I had a difficult conversation with a colleague the other day, very difficult conversation where I gave them first before we had the conversation, I asked the person in the conversation to listen to what I was saying. And then I also asked them, please don't listen with the intent to be offended. Mm. Listen to what I'm saying. And rather than just immediately respond, let it soak in for a minute because it's not coming from a diabolical place. I need you to hear my words and I need you to hear what I'm feeling because no matter what you think and feel, I've got other thoughts and feelings that are happening and spiraling around me at the moment. And I need you to hear what I'm saying. And I'm saying this from a place of love as a, as an act of friendship and respect from one person to another. And I said, but it's going to be confronting and it's going to fucking sting a little bit, but you still need to listen to what I'm saying. So I said, now that I've said that, here is what I need to tell you. And I could see the hurt and the shock come out on the other person's face. I believe that in any other situation, if I hadn't taken the time to set the scene and explain all of that in my preamble, then it would have really lit a bit of a fuse, but it didn't. And thankfully didn't have that sort of effect on it. What I was happy to see was that they sat back, they thought about what I said, they received it with the intent that I I delivered it. And the conversation was good. You could still see that there was tension, but because it was a conversation based in truth and there was no offense about it, and that's what fucking destroys these conversations with people is the immediate willingness for the other person to immediately be offended and wounded by what the other person says. Now, you're going to feel it, but sometimes you have to understand that it takes a lot of courage for some people to tell the truth sometimes, and that's why people aren't telling the truth as much anymore because they've lost courage in being able to do it. Mate, it's fucking sad that we live in a world that it's easier to tell lies to people than it is to tell an uncomfortable or an inconvenient truth. Yeah. You and I've had conversations before where I've told you something and, you know, like you've sat back and gone, dude, that's fucking stupid or outrageous. I wouldn't proceed with that. Now, because it's you and you're my very good friend to me, I know that it comes from a good place and you're telling me to say, pump your brakes, dude. You need to think about what you're saying. That's not a smart thing to do. And we should have, you and I, which we do, we should have that ability to talk to each other like that and not be afraid of it and not think, like, if I say that to Pat, that's going to end our friendship. Mm. But that's happening so much. Yeah, There's an acceleration in that belief and that mindset with people. We've lost our way a little bit. It's COVID and isolation. Mm. It happened before that too. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. Is it's that accelerating. It has accelerated. And I think we really need to get back to some basics where, you know, when you're saying to people, like, I had, again, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far into it, but I had a conversation with my mum the other day. It was a hard conversation, but I just needed to get something off her mind. I said, mum, I love you. I always will. You know, no matter how much disappointment we have in each other for some of the things that we need to say, I need to say this and you need to hear me. It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. It's to help you grow. And I said, because I've listened to you for the last 30 minutes in a conversation we've had, and I don't believe what you're saying is right. And I think this will affect you on a greater scale than what you can imagine. Mm. So listen to me and then sit with it, just sit with it and see where it takes you and then make an informed decision after that. Mm. I do find we're scared to do it. And sometimes I'm doing it, my hands are shaking because I'm thinking, what's going to be the result of this conversation? Like, am I going to lose 
a family member or a friend or something like this from having the respect for them that I want to tell them the truth. Mm. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. I won't go into the details of it, but I posted a video in a private group, a members-only group. My hands were shaking when I hit enter. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know how this is going to be received. I saw the video. I think the message that you were portraying and the intent that it had behind it came from the heart, and I understand how difficult that would have been to put that up there. Well, I'm doubling down on it because maybe this is a good way to end the episode. You know, the IACP is the International Association of Canine Professionals. It is the industry professional organization that represents training. Yep. Without an agenda beyond ethics. All are welcome. Yeah. Mm. Ethicals. All ethical people are welcome. Yeah. If you listen to us and you're a dog trainer – Even if you don't use tools, it would be super beneficial to those of us. Even if you don't choose not to yourself, but are okay with others, it would be super beneficial for you to join that organization, right? And there's associate. And and the other thing that we we need to keep in mind as well is that associate member level where you can just join. You don't get to vote or anything, but it's just like, hey, I support your organization. I'll be one of your numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be in the weeds. And I think we have a lot of listeners who are not professional dog trainers, who Mm. are just people who are interested in listening to Australian dickheads talk shit. It would be helpful to the industry as a whole if you just lend your support to that organization. And I don't even know what it costs. It's not going to be that much. It's going to be under a hundred bucks to be an associate member. And it's like, hey, I support you. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get in the weeds. I don't want to be voting and hold a position, Mm. but I support what you do. And I'll tell you what the reason I'm super worried about this kind of thing at the moment, especially here in Australia. You know, what's our listener stats? How, what are we, Australia versus the rest of the world at the moment? United States, all-time listeners, I think it's up to like 600,000. And uh, Australia is like 300 and something. Okay, thousand. so yeah. So there's enough Australians to make it worthwhile saying. Is yep. that, and what's it, it might be interesting to the rest of the, to, you know, people around the world. We've got elections coming up. Mm. We do not have a two-party system in Australia. It amazes me how uneducated people are on the Australian – Australians are on the Australian political system and how it works. We do not have a two-party system. We do not have to vote in one of the two parties. That does not have to be the case. You vote for your local member and your local member can choose whether to be an independent or to join a random party – or to join one of the two major parties. And they can even change their fucking mind. Mm. They can change mid-thing. And that's why we don't vote for our prime minister. What happens is you vote only for your local member. Your local member, if enough from one party get in, they then decide, well, this will be the prime minister and they make the leader of their own party the prime minister. Mm. What's going to happen in Australia? Because everybody's dis- that no government anywhere in the world has handled COVID well. Because it can't be handled well, Mm. right? So come the elections, probably every government's going to change because people are like, they did terribly, we can vote for the other guy. The other guy wasn't going to do any better either. I did notice that they were vocally silent during- Yeah, well, they they knew, just shut up. Everybody knew. If you're the opposition in power during COVID, just shut your mouth and let the other people fuck it because you would fuck it as well. And Mm. whatever you say the other guys should do will turn out to be wrong because no one knows what to do. Mm. So just shut your mouth. That's what they did. But here's the problem. So many Australians are going to go to the polls this year disillusioned with the two major parties that they're going to look for a third option. And that Animal Justice Party is a fucking appealing third option to the people who don't know better. Mm. And, mate, 
it is going to be, I, I think at this coming election, we are going to get so many independents in. And then what happens in Australia is if both major parties don't have enough seats to form a majority government, now they have to, they start working deals with the independents and the independents go, hey, okay, I support you. We form a coalition, we form a government, and then we elect a prime minister, right? Those independents, if one or two of those animal justice party people get in, we're fucked mm. because they will hold the total power of the government and whatever crazy shit they want to get through, they will get through because they will hold the government to ransom. Right? So it's not like we are going to end up with an entire parliament full of independence. Like it was designed to, to do right. Mm. We're still going to end up with one of the major parties in, but those parties are going to be leveraged almost completely by independence. And we've had this in Australia in the past. This is how we ended up with the NBN. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that like was obsolete before it was rolled out, right? <laughs> Literally, it, I get faster speeds, faster, more reliable speeds off my phone than I do from the NBN at my house, right? So that's going to happen. And we need people, we need organizations that can help represent and defend dog trainers full stop. Mm. I'm not talking about dog trainers like who let's divide a line down ourselves and call ourselves balanced and positive and, and however else we want to do it, like agility people and bite sport people. We're all fucked. Mm. If that animal justice party get in and hold sway, we are all fucked. I'll give you an example of that. There's a couple of plus R force free, might I say it, people that I've seen on social media. They're fairly anti anything to do with balance whatsoever. But then they've realized that some of the breeds that they have are going to be affected by some of these breed culls that have already been announced overseas. Naturally, as you would, yelling at the top of the balcony how unjust this is and how unfair it is and it should be shunned. But that's the thing is they don't see the writing on the wall. And as you're saying, we want to unite Not to say that you have to do or take on our practices, but we just have to cradle each other because the fucking tsunami that will come for us will take us all out. Like, we all have something to lose. We all have to band together. Yeah. It's like I got mocked a while ago from a group, allegedly. I'm going to say the words allegedly because they were listening to the podcast where I said, I started as a balance trainer, ventured into force free for a period of time, and then went back to balance training. And allegedly this group publicly mocked me in a gathering and said, you know, like talk about a de-evolution in training coming across to the right side and then abandoning it to go back to. Really? Yes. So this is what I'm told. This is why I'm going to say the words allegedly. Okay. Came from a good source. It's quite reliable. And I have seen evidence to say that it, it was said. That's fine. They can say and feel about whatever they want to, and so can I. And this is the reason that I said before, I do have the right to change my mind and flip-flop on things if I feel in my heart and soul that what I'm doing is for the betterment. Now, if I hadn't had any experience in that before and was having and firing shots at it, I could never say, well, I've experienced that, but I have, but I truly have. You know, like I lived that lifestyle for a while And then went back because I felt that this is serving me better. Now, this group are saying the reason I went back is because I wasn't patient enough and I'm too quick-tempered and that's why I needed to go back to this other style of training. That was the part of the story that disappointed me. But it doesn't mean 
that I still wouldn't embrace that group if they came back and said, we need to unite. I'd said, brothers and sisters, come back. Yeah, totally. You know, like you to. you, you're not banned from this table. We do need to sit down. This needs to be a round table where everyone is equal. Yeah. We can still be our own personalities, but everyone put their sword on the table. This is the round table. Like we do need to come back and we do need to be an organization that supports each other against what as you said, as some of these other parties do. Yeah, and that's why we push for the ISCP and we say that everybody should try and join that because mm. that's the organisation where everybody's welcome. I'm not welcome in some of the other organisations. The way that I train is not welcome. Yep. But the way they train is welcome with the ISCP. Yeah. Right? And so that's why we're trying to push that because we need an industry professional body worldwide to help us because we're under threat. And especially in Australia, like, I can't say it enough. You know, like, friends of mine at the last election voted for the Animal Justice Party and told me like, oh, Pat, we voted for the Animal Justice Party. Like, I would be happy about it because they don't know. No one gives a fuck about politics. No one's looking that shit up. They, you they just, just know they're good, they're good people and you, they're doing a good thing. Yeah, but you just all we know in Australia is that you've got dickhead who wears blue and dickhead who wears red. And you're yeah. like, I don't like either of these dickheads. I'm going to vote for someone else. And then you look on the thing and you go, oh, Animal Justice Party. What could be wrong with that? Yeah. Right? And so <laughs> that is going to happen like a goddamn landslide at the next election. And then they're going to get in and people are going to go, oh, what the fuck? Mm. I'm not allowed to have a dog anymore. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? It's, oh, what? Peter running the country now? That's where it all goes to. Uh, right? I know. It's crazy. So that's the concern. That's my concern. And we, aside from not voting for them, but people like millions of Australians are going to, and, and other similar, like, minor issue parties, we need an industry uh, professional organization that is going to help in the fight against all of that kind of stuff and represent us. And so that when the government reach down comes and we, we go, Hey, no, we got this. We're, we're self-governing industry. We're, we've got this. We don't need any influence from you. You're worried about bite sports. We monitor it. Mm. We're watching them all. We have a bite sports committee. You're worried about the way that people use tools. We have a whole education program. It's right here. We teach people how to use them all the time. We certify people in it. It's not just like willy nilly. We, we've got this sorted out. You don't go, you guys, you don't need to get involved. That's the function of those organisations. I tell you, it's it's not dog training, and I know I've mentioned it on the show before, but I tell you who I'm very impressed with, other than the fact that he's got a, a real lean towards the other party, is Jordan Shanks from Friendly Geordies. Like, the absolute depths of research that kid goes to, mm. I mean, he's only, he, like, he'd be early 20s. Him and his producer, Christo, the lengths that they go to and the detail they go into against the corruption that, some politicians get to is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely I, phenomenal. I can't watch his stuff. It's too depressing. <laughs> what I mean? Knowing what's going on. Yeah. And, I, it, but, and just feeling lo- completely but, powerless about it. It makes me feel really powerless. Yeah, but he's changing the world. Like yeah, he is. He's, he's really shaking, you know, like he, as he said, he said, come after me. I've got nothing you can take from me. Yeah. I don't really care about possessions or houses or cars. Come after me, bro. Maybe one day we'll wake up and hear that he slipped in the shower and fractured his skull. Who yeah. knows? But You might at, go fishing. And yeah. But, but at this point in time, like he's literally taking on the juggernauts and saying, you guys have, need to fucking tighten up. You need to clean up what's going on. Maybe that needs to happen in the dog training industry as well. You know, like there needs to be some cleanup and there needs to be some collaboration. And- yeah, I think the issue like in the dog training, like everybody that we talk to, everybody we talk about for the most part, we're all doing the right thing. Mm. We're just doing it individually and in the wrong direct. Like no, we're not cohesive. Not collective. Not we're, collective. Yeah, we're yeah. not cohesive and we need to be. That's yep. that's it. Yeah. All right. Mm. That's it. Another episode. Canon Paradigm. As always, <laughs> if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe. You yep. know what people sometimes do? is like you put up the post on Facebook and people will comment like, oh, I love the episode, guys. That was great on Facebook. 
you know what else they could do? They could just cut and paste that and put it on to like iTunes or wherever they download it from. And it could put be a Apple, review. iTunes, Deezer, iHeartRadio, yeah. Spotify. Definitely Spotify. We need some reviews in Spotify. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to get a $100 million contract from them, we're going to need it. Man, wouldn't that be nice? I, imagine doing this as a full-time gig. Like if we actually had- like For a hundo million. <laughs> I'd, I'd do it. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> mate, if I'd do it for a couple of million, if, like, if we had enough revenue- yeah. And we set up a, I'd love to actually set up like a, a studio, like a proper studio yeah. where we could record and review and do all sorts of shit like as a full-time gig. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. We definitely, um, we talk a lot. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so but leave you could do, But you could do different things. Like you could do a thing and I could do a thing, you know, yeah. like it would be a- You've been watching too much Linus Tech Tips. I have. That's, that's <laughs> exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. Hey guys, if you listen to this, Linus's listeners bought him a warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. But he got- 14 million. I know. Patreons yeah, all he needs is like a he? dollar from each of them. Yeah, you got 14 million patrons or something yeah. like that, isn't it? It's oh, something it's outrageous. Huge. Yeah. It's huge. Anyway, tell your friends, guess in a Patreon. Yeah. I recorded something today. It's going to go into Patreon. Uh, I was doing a like a coaching call sign and we were talking about some e-call stuff and I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And I hit record on my camera and I've got that. That's going into Patreon. By the time you listen to this, it's probably in there. Yep. Yeah, leave reviews, get a Patreon, give us some money there, yep. jump into Teespring, buy some socks and underpants. Tapestry, wall, wall tapestries, tapestries uh, shirts, all kind of stuff. While we were in Rona lockdown, she put out that Corona Tater shirt. I saw it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. You can get one of those. That's not. Yeah, I think I linked it in podcast. our Instagram story. Right, it when, is? Yeah. Yeah. It's not supporting the podcast, it's supporting my wife, but you know, yep. same thing. Um, <laughs> what else do we do at the end here? Canonceuticals. Oh, yeah. You can get yeah, some. Yeah, get some canonceuticals, get some of those. Get some of Norell's human grade. Human grade. Yeah. So um, you can have a little taste while you're giving it. Well, you possibly could. because That's one of the things grade. I miss about training with like hot dogs. You know, you can just have a little taste. Yucky. <laughs> <laughs> one for me, one for the dog. Yep. Anyway. And if you want to send us anything like a present or something to review, don't fucking send us an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> People have been sending me stuff to my PO box getting stickers. My sticker collection is I, I've awesome. seen it. It's, I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mate, you're, that's going to be more sticker than MacBooks. Yeah. Then. It's actually getting quite a thick coating. Uh, I know. In some areas, it's four stickers deep. Yep. Uh, all right. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, jump in the Facebook group. That's growing. Be nice to everybody in there. Don't be a dickhead. And <laughs> if you want to uh, shoot an email, we are info at the Canon Paradigm. Goodbye.